0: You are listening to Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher.
1: Hey, everybody! This is Christopher Seals, and across the TV tray from me hey, is
2: Wayne David Randolph. Hey, Wayne. Hi, Chris. Hi, hey. Chris. How you doing today? <laughs> I'm good. I I said hi, Chris, twice because I actually had my phone in my hand, and I said hi, Chris, into my phone the first time. That's weird. Huh. Yeah. Anyways, um, Chris, there's something special going on tonight. What is it? Um, I have a question for you. Okay, you ready? I'm on the edge of my seat. Excellent. Um, Chris, do you think if Jesus was alive today that he would be patriotic? <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: like a patriotic Jew? Or like a patriotic American? Or like a patriotic Russian? Crickets, crickets. Yeah, do you think you'd be? I think I think if Jesus came to America, um, if that's the, uh, if, okay. if that's the premise, I think that uh, honestly, the first thing that comes to my mind is Matthew chapter twenty three, where mm. he uh, is talking to the Pharisees, and at the end he weeps over Jerusalem, mm. right? Which um, was not where the whole story started with yeah. Abraham and the patriarchs and his whole plan to save the world didn't start in Jerusalem, but it was this capital. They got set up later when they became a nation state. Yeah. Um, but then he still, when he, when he weeps, um, after kind of cussing out the Pharisees, right. um, he, he refers to Jerusalem. And so there's part of me that would think that if, it, if he was in modern America, there might be part of him that's a,
2: like weeps and says, Washington, Washington,
1: hmm. I've longed to bring you in. I don't know.
2: Yeah. This is, um, this is what happens when we don't talk before we podcast. <laughs> Um, Because, man, you answered as if, like, you're a Bible teacher or something. (laughs) What the heck, dude?
0: Yeah.
2: Um, The reason I asked that question, Chris, is um, one of the textbooks that we use uh, in class, in our worldviews class, is um, it has a chapter on nationalism. And uh, the chapter actually opens with that question. So that wasn't original material. This yeah. is probably why you always ask me the questions in the mm. beginning. But <laughs> the follow-up question for you, and, and even just for our listeners, was: Hey, when when you heard that question, yeah. um, you know, if, if Jesus were alive, would you? Do you think he'd be patriotic? Um, kind of more importantly, what the author gets at, and we're gonna we're gonna unpack that is: When you heard that idea of patriotic, did you automatically assume American patriot? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just. I think it's time. I think it's time to have have this discussion. So, um, yeah. you know, tonight we're going to be talking about um, patriotism and, and nationalism. And um, most of the material that we will be kind of um, talking through is coming from this textbook that we use in class. Yeah. Um, and that book uh, that I highly, highly recommend is called Hidden Worldviews. Eight Cultural stories that shape our lives, and the authors are Dr. Steve Wilkins, who's a former professor of mine and mine, probably yours I think as well. He took
1: medieval philosophy with him, right on. Yeah,
2: he he flunked me my first semester of uh <laughs> philosophy and basically told me, like, yeah, you can uh basically say, kind of said, you're a smooth talker, but you need to be a smooth thinker, mm. and uh, that wow, that punched me. And uh, so I I aced his class the next semester. Um, But anyway, so this book is by Dr. Steve Wilkins and then another gentleman also at APU named um, Mark Stanford. And And part of the, I think what's beautiful about this
1: book is the idea of hidden worldviews is that um, worldview class. um, Oftentimes I think the easy thing to do is like, I feel like the iceberg metaphor goes with a lot of things, (laughs) but Um, A lot of times we spend our time attacking what's above the water level of the iceberg of the things that are at the wheel. Um, And I think that – so we end up talking about, like, Islam or, I don't know, Judaism or Shintoism or Buddhism. Right. Um, But when we – really come down to it like materialism mm, and nationalism right. and consumerism. consumerism all of those things are probably at the wheel individualism yeah in significantly more strong ways but those
2: are under the surface because yeah.
1: they're kind of taken for granted as being yeah
2: true. and i think even just to piggyback on that um in teaching the world's views class uh, that that was kind of my my thought it was like you know we've done this and and, and i don't mean it in a sort of like We've already done it, therefore it's not, there's no value. I don't mean anything like that. But it does seem a little sterile sometimes when we just dissect, like, different views, like, on a board. Hmm. Um, and often, like, to maybe go with the iceberg metaphor, I'd also go, um, it's really easy, or it's easier and, and less um, less painful for the individual to dissect somebody who thinks quite differently than you. Hmm. Um when you get into this hidden worldview and the, the whole premise of this book is like what are the worldviews that that you're you are interacting with on a daily basis? And so they talk yeah. about like, you know, sitting at Starbucks and what kind of conversations are you having and, and things that you're hearing or stuff coming in. Um and one of the biggest things I've noticed all throughout the book um is that they are really trying to help um those of us with the Christian worldview um, maybe loosen some of the grip that we that we have on some of our um, identity as American citizens, mm. um, and so you kind of get this melding uh, of American values, which aren't necessarily bad in and of mm-hmm. themselves, but um, when individualism, when you bring that into Christianity. This idea of, you know, Father, may they be one, just as I am and you and you yeah. are in me. So you you kind of get some things that are odds, but right. it's hard to recognize when that's in the dominant culture. Yep. That being said, it seems like, especially in, in lieu of last last week's podcast, um, just with, with how d- divided our country is, um, this one's really been on my heart. And I, I know I, I, I put this on your radar mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. Um, I, I really want us to look at and maybe dissect cuz this is important when we're having conversations with students especially um how do how do we kind of um dissect some of the not only partisan language but mm-hmm. also maybe at large the the nationalistic language that we're using or patriotic language yeah. with with kingdom language yeah. and so that that's kind of where I want to I want to go tonight that's good. um so yeah man um also I just want to point out ironically uh, we were supposed to record the other night and and couldn't, and we're recording um, tonight, uh, Thursday night. Um, and George W. Bush, one of our former presidents, mm. um, had a speech today, and yeah. actually, um, in a really cautionary tone, mm. um, kind of challenged and 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 cautioned, <laughs> warned yeah. uh, our country to to be careful with some of the stuff that's floating around out there. And yeah, the, what the the stuff is he
1: cautioning us about?
2: Um, j- just the the idea of um, kind of the US at all costs, um, Mm. kind of protectionism. Um, uh, I, I, I did not listen to the whole speech, but, but, um, so I won't, I won't really want to quote it too much, but just noticing the irony that, that one of our former presidents is also bringing this up right now. And, um, I think it's cool. It's timely. And and so I'm, I'm excited to dive in with you.
1: Yeah. And I think that, um, maybe the, one of the first things that we need to distinguish, which, um, Which Wilkin, is it Wilkin or Wilkins? Wilkins. Wilkins. um, That Wilkins and um, his colleague specifies, we've thrown around both the words patriotism and nationalism. Um, Yeah. And I think for a lot of us, um, those words are not nuanced differently in our minds. Right, Right. So, So what are we talking about when we talk about these... Uh, I guess... Nuanced words, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm
2: actually... I I pulled a fairly long quote, so I'll I'll try to read slowly. and Yeah. So this is from the book. Um, When we speak of nationalism as a lived worldview in competition with Christianity, this should not be taken as a condemnation of patriotism. We want to say this uh, as explicitly and forcefully as we can, that patriotism, the love of one's country, is a good and necessary thing. However... We want to say just as forcefully that that the patriotism that loses perspective and offers our highest loyalty to a specific state is an evil and destructive thing. Hmm. In essence, nationalism is the imbalanced and distorted form of something that is good, in this case, patriotism. Right. And that that
1: totally makes me think of, in my senior Bible, we talk about um, C.S. Lewis's Four Loves, Hmm. Um, and in his chapter on Storga, or... um, the uh, familial affection, there's this beautiful quote and he says, when love having become a God becomes a demon.
0: Mm.
1: Um, and, and so, so I think that it really applies wow. to this, like this idea of love your country in the same way that Jesus loved Jerusalem. But yeah, it, it becomes a nationalism. It becomes a ke- competing worldview when, when love of country, um, becomes a God. Yeah. Right. And, and, then, and what
2: does that mean? So that's, that's one of those things. I, um, I appreciate that you said it becomes a God. Yeah. More often than not, kind of our Christianese, uh, we would say that it becomes an idol. Mm. Um, and I, I agree with it, yeah. but I would say that that's one of those those phrases that we might use maybe in our classroom, especially maybe at church. Kids are a little bit more churched and enculturated, but right. maybe in the classroom where we have the spectrum of students. So when we say... Um, when you say that like nationalism can become our God or an right. idol can can we maybe even unpack that absolutely simplified? yeah,
1: I mean we even talk about it in in the idea of romantic relationships that um that the only entity that is sufficient for our ultimate meaning and value and worth um is God, and so when we put any other object in that place. It is likely to be distorted, crushed, damaged. Yeah. Right? So if it's a if it's a boyfriend or girlfriend that's put on on God status, the the pressure crushes them or drives them away right. or
2: And you you know it's an idol if when you you lose that thing or there's even the, the, the hint of losing that right. thing that your entire world kind of comes crushing down.
1: Right. If you're willing to make compromises mm-hmm. about your morality there's a big one. for the sake of that person, the love of that thing. Um, if you're willing to say,
2: okay, well, I love them so much. I, I normally wouldn't do this, but yeah, right. I love that you said compromising, yeah. Chris, because I think I think that's where we're going to get to in this podcast, and um, I want I want to touch on Revelation at one point, yeah. not not in a um end times uh, kind of way, but in terms of the warnings that the author was giving the early Christians about compromising right uh, with Rome, and, and it's and, even
1: alluded to in what you just read that yeah. it's the it's the call for your highest loyalty. Yeah. It's okay to love your country, but if the love of country becomes the highest call of loyalty in your life, that yeah. all other loyalties, um, and fidelities, and allegiances are subordinate to that one, then then you come, yeah, we yeah. come to a, a point of competition, yeah, and, and it becomes unhealthy. God. And
2: and I, I thank you for for bringing it up from from your love dating and marriage class because um, I think we've all either ourselves experienced it in in loving relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or, or we've seen it in other people where a beautiful, loving relationship can be quickly be, can become unhealthy. Right? Um, you know, we, we use terms like codependent and right. and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Chris, I couldn't help but when you were talking about that, think uh, even about Ecclesiastes, mm. um, where um, you've you've got this guy Solomon who um, really, um, in many ways, we we regard him as a as a hero, um, being this wise you know man and built this. Man, if you if you read the details, this elaborate and rich gold, um, you know, laden uh, temple. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also, you know, he he compromised a lot along the way right. to get there, um, like really bad, yeah. right? And, and like <laughs> basically turns Israel into the very empire that God rescued them out mm-hmm. of um, out of Egypt. And um, but the reason I bring him up is because in his later years, um, you know, it's attributed to him or he wrote it himself, but later in his in his life after he's lived enough and and maybe this this wisdom became wisdom with experience, not just maybe a young idealistic wisdom um but he starts talking about how it's all meaningless mm-hmm. and 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 in trying to find my identity in stuff in money in sex in power. Um that it was really all meaningless. That these yeah. and you get these kind of famous lines, right? Like these things come and go, right? Yeah. There's there's a time for these things, but they don't last. Yep. And um it kind of brings me to that next point. I think I think you actually might have wrote that down even uh, one of the the notes from the book about nations kind of coming and going. Yeah. Absolutely. Um which I, I really think is is you know, I'll pause for a second. I mean, those of you maybe even already a little like uncomfortable, um, you know, because we're talking about our country, um, recognize again that, that we're saying that it's, it's actually a good thing to have love for your country. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a, it's a, it's a good thing for our society to, to kind of all collectively, um, you know, have, have goals and, and values and these kind of things. And, and, um, but when that love for country overtakes it, when we stop and think, and I think this is really what, what helps me. And we've been talking about this in my class lately, um, with my students is that these things are temporary, Mm -hmm. um, that, that it, it's not eternal, <laughs> and so um, how much love and allegiance and adoration am I really going to put into this thing that you know, like the book talked about? I loved it. It said, you know, when it talked about like the the um, the, the nature of nations coming and going, it mm. said, you know, look look at a map, yeah, look at a map, you know, forty fifty years ago of the world, and look at one today, and just how different yep. the borders are, and this and that, and, and it said, hey, look, you know, look. America, a hundred years from now, if it's around, how right. different is it going to look? And, and so I even think to talk about it from that perspective, that when we're talking about loving something, we're talking about loving something that is temporary, yeah. um, whereas our allegiance as followers of Christ is to this eternal, constant, forever <laughs> kingdom. Yeah, and I think, I find it really <laughs> ironic
1: that, I guess, um, lately there's a lot of talk of building walls and such, um, um. and uh, whether or not a wall is built, I think it's... Well, the reason I find it super interesting is because the reason that we're building a wall is because um, we have decided that there is an imaginary line. Um, (laughs) And on this side of that line, it's those people. And on the other side of that line, it's it's us. Um, And I think that it's not even just that nations come and go and are temporary, like one rises and another falls and another one rises in its place. Um, but rather, from the beginning, nations <laughs> wasn't the plan. Right. Um, that nation right. states and drawing imaginary lines and saying, mm. um, this is us and that is you. Um, in the garden, there there wasn't that sort of line. It wasn't until sin entered the world that lines needed to start being drawn. Yeah. And so if if we're talking temporary, it's, it's not even the idea that there are lines at all. Dividing people from mm. another is, this is a temporary solution, yeah. albeit a... However, however long humanity has been around solution, but right. it's still, if we're on, in the perspective of eternity, this is very temporary, right? These, these lines that we draw between ourselves and yeah, there, there might be a mountain range or a river or a lake like Peru and Bolivia. Yeah. Uh, but, but the lines that, that divide us were, I mean, there were, there were battles that were fought um, mm. and there were disputes and there was diplomacy and, and people said, okay, we'll draw the line here. And so if you're on one side of the river and there's a guy on the other side of the river in river, your countries um, decide to go to war against each other, I think the beauty of the Christian story is that we get to look back to the garden and, like, mm. laugh at that situation and say, no, 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 the person on the other side of the river is still might, like, still my neighbor, right? Just because yeah. some guy in a capital thousands of miles away didn't make him stop being my neighbor. Um, but...
2: But it, yeah. it obviously gets murky there, though. Right, right? I mean, exactly. I, and I'm already hearing all the rebuttals right? Um, that I've I've heard. I'm, yeah, I'm very idealistic, yeah. and, I, and I hold very similar views to that. And, um, you know, one of the rebuttals we get is like, but no, but like, you know, those things don't apply to a nation. Right. You know, those kind of ideals... Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. that's rough to and, say the least. And from. I would
1: even say that um there's something to something to say about um Samuel's original speech to the Israelite people mm-hmm. before anointing their first king. Um because before <laughs> that they were it was sort of like a tribal society and there were there were some boundaries because yeah, absolutely. Even in, in the Mosaic law, there's rules on how to set boundaries and do not move boundary yep, stones. Yep. And so we absolutely need boundaries as people so that we can um, live peaceably with each other, especially in a fallen world, yeah. right? If we're not in a gift or sharing economy, we need boundaries. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, when the government wanted to be more solidified and unified under consolidated power, Samuel says, hey, um, he's going to take your daughters, he's going to take your kids. Yeah. He's going to um, tax you to he's gonna, death. He's going right. to tax you. Um, <laughs> and uh, God even has to comfort Samuel and say, mm. Samuel, they haven't rejected you, but they've rejected me as their king. And I think that... Dude. I think that those it of us hurts. who say, yeah, <laughs> those of us who say that we follow God, um, when we beg, um, for like when we beg for a King, when yeah. we, when we plead on the behalf of, I guess, um, one state over another, mm. um, then, then we're kind of joining in with the chance of the early Israelites. Right, and and when yeah. I say state, I, I think it's important to clarify because yeah. I had some libertarian friends um, <laughs> who had spoken into my ears a while ago, um, and when I say state, I don't mean like California or Idaho. What I mean is um, a well, the sarcastic way, it's not sarcastic. The I guess more cynical way of saying yeah. it's a, a monopoly on violence. Okay, um, <laughs> 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 but but a state, right. um, a state is yeah. There's a prettier way of saying a monopoly on violence, but the place in which the authority figures in that region say, we get to say what goes and what doesn't. And if you resist us, we put you in a cage or shoot you. Yeah. Um, and if you think about it, like the earlier lights, you, you defy King Saul, you get a cage or you get stabbed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think that if we look at any states in the world, that that is how they operate. So I'm not even just saying. Like, this isn't an America session. This is this is how governments work. That's you, right. If you sufficiently and persistently resist the state, you will get a cage um, or a gun.
2: Yeah. And they, I mean, obviously nations need to maintain power. Right. Right. And that's um, one of the things we just kind of, like, jokingly have been talking about in, in one of my classes right now with students is, I, I don't know if jokingly is, <laughs> is the right term, but as we've been talking about, like, looking at the setting of empire throughout, throughout the text of, of scripture... Um, Kind of been talking about like so we're talking about the Roman Empire right now like you you don't get into business and especially you don't get in the business of empire to lose money to yeah. maintain status quo mm-hmm. um, you you get into to to maintain and grow and um, you know you, this thing has to grow right, right. Um, and so in order to maintain power. Um, You can do kind of the Machiavellian way that you said there a second ago, right? Which is like, we'll just, we'll blast you with our power. Right. Or there's other ways that you can do it, right? Through loyalty. And um, that brings me to another quote I'd love to to maybe unpack from. um, It's almost like we did plan this. This is good. I'm proud of you. I'm proud (laughs) of us. Um, So so basically what we're saying though is without loyalty, then the power and the stability of the state is in jeopardy, right? Mm -hmm. If if they don't have, and so, so. I mean, even right now, and, and I, we don't need to like name names, but there are places in the world right now where leaders are leading that way yeah. um, and there are other places where they're trying to get loyalty in another way right. um, interesting enough, depending on how cynical you are about the world, both strategies still want the same thing right you know um, yeah. so but within that, let me get to this this quote um, if a uh, by the way, Chris, uh, when I read this next quote, I totally it just reminded me of you. This is like totally something you would say. So it says, uh, if a nation says, we are a variable, an artificial entity that sometimes fails in our moral duties, but we want your allegiance in order to increase our power and security, <laughs> this would not be a very effective way to win the loyalty of your people. Instead, yeah. a nation seeks to win allegiance by attaching itself to something that gives it the credibility of the superior or the eternal. Mm. Uh, and this is kind of um, this idea of... Um, attaching our our kind of origin story of the nation or of the state, attaching it to some sort of cause that is bigger than us. Yep. And so, um, I know our, our uh, A. Push students right now are, are going through the American Revolution, right? And so there's this bigger cause that they're all rallying around right. and it's something bigger than them. Um, but then most nations, uh, including our own that we find ourselves in, uh, will attach that that like birth story, the genesis story of their nation to to God. Um, right. and, and, I think one of the earliest or easiest one that maybe comes to your mind is like kind of this idea of manifest destiny, right. right? That if like God is on our side endorsing it, then like we really can do whatever we want because right. because we're like it's like us and God, right? Yeah. right? Um, dude. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> first
1: we, of all, what do you think of that quote? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. I think I think the if we if we are able to attach divine significance to um, our our nation, then it, it sort of gives a nation carte blanche so as you mentioned so if it's the um taking away land from native peoples um or if it's taking away liberties from citizens or if it's um fighting wars across the world and calling it defense um Mm -hmm. whatever um whatever sort of behavior that may not fly for an individual like can fly for a nation and by the way like you see this in corporations as well yeah um that Like if – like I'm a kind of a big fan of capitalism, which Uh I know that is not a popular thing to say sometimes. But capitalism has no room for corporations because corporations aren't really people. But according to the United (laughs) States law, um, corporations are people. And if a corporation is a person, then it only exists for gaining more wealth and growing in power, right? And so the people who operate in that corporation – um they have no moral responsibilities right because right. right? yeah. they're just saying i'm just doing what the corporation wants mm. um they don't have to be held responsible and it's the corporation that gets sued not them however if i like if i ran an oil company and i decided i wanted to close up shop and i dumped my leftover oil into the into the soil and it got into the groundwater it wouldn't be some like faceless corporation that got sued it would be me right right and right. so i think that by attaching I think that by having this other entity there, like a, a nation or a mm-hmm. corporation, um, that isn't the people, sort of like justifies behaviors of the people.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's dude. We need. To, can we do an episode on that? <laughs> Just for for a future reference, Maybe. that would be.
1: Why did I start talking about that? No,
2: because uh, you're talking about how how corporations are similar to um, nations in that, like where they will attach their mm. their. Uh, their modus operandi, right? <laughs> to to like deity or something, or right. to something bigger, or superior. And so, not only do you have like a, a
1: grand divine cause on your side, yeah. but you also have moral distance, yeah, um, because you don't have to think about the fact that like you're shooting that person or you're mm. doing a bad trade deal um, because you're doing it for the country, yeah, right. And and
2: and the country's doing it for God, right? Um, in many in many instances, yeah. Um, Chris, in reading that sec actually this 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 whole chapter, um, but especially that section that I just read there. Um, it made me think a lot of the the early church in the first mm. few centuries in Rome. Um, and I've the more that I've studied that the last man, I would say about decade. Um, I'm really fascinated with 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 this this small little um, transitionary event. Yep. Um and, and so I'd love to talk about that for a second because I think it might give us a little insight into maybe what we're looking at today. Yeah. Um. And so you have um in in the first second century, um you have the church existing as um kind of an alternative to to the the bigger dominant um narrative, um like but to the to the point where like Christianity is is an illegal. Uh, right. Activity uh, we were talking about this in my class today, like yeah. just, just for fun, really quick throwing this out there. The earlier Christians were known as atheists. No, because they did not call Caesar the Son of God right. uh, or the Savior to the world, yeah. they actually, for some reason, these Christians actually believed that they uh, worshipped the Son of God, the Savior to the world, and they were known as cannibals, you know, for yeah. these weird things with 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 uh, with communion and, and incestuous incestuous because they're going to these love fests with their brothers and sisters, and that's <laughs> yeah, because they have Aphrodite cult on the mind, but right. Um, but you had this, you you had this like very. There's a distinction, I guess, mm-hmm. is what we're trying to say, and and it wasn't even like a, a healthy distinction, right, for the right. Um But one of the things was that you, because of that, like you, we were called atheists because we could not pledge allegiance right. to Caesar um, as our or the, as the ruler, the emperor, as as our lord. Um, or in this case, you know, you had this idea of like imperial cult, right? Um, but we couldn't do that, and and by by default, then like you also really couldn't serve in the military, right, and. Um, I have been reading a lot about this, and I've seen some people um, um, refute this from history, Um, but there does not seem to be a whole lot of evidence that I've found, and please, any listener that wants to send me some stuff, but it seems like a lot of the early writings um, just tell us, like, like you just didn't. And if you were in the military, like, you got out, and it, it, you know, I I might say, because of my own personal beliefs, that it it was due to, you know, loving our enemy, Um, but a lot of it, from what I understand, had to do with this compromising, that I, I... once I gave my allegiance to Christ, that I no longer could right. participate in these other activities. It's like you have
1: to renounce your citizenship in any other kingdom.
2: But imagine that. Yeah. And that's what Jesus calls it. Right. It is his kingdom. So, Yeah,
1: that's the, actually the vocabulary yes. used in First Peter, right? right? That you guys, he calls them the exiles. But if you look at the vocabulary, what's in implied there is... That you're resident aliens, yeah. right? You have your green card. You're allowed to be here. Yeah, um, but and it comes in handy. We see that with Paul, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. he's able to pull that card and be like, "I'm yeah. a citizen." Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it's loyalty. Yeah, our loyalty. We have citizenship elsewhere.
2: Right. And so, so, so that kind of sets the stage. But then you get this weird transition, and I'm, I'm fascinated by this. Mm. Um, you have Constantine, who mm. him and his mother. Um, you know, I, I don't know them this was you know this in the three hundreds <laughs> um but i I, I kind of have this uneasy feeling about about this time period, but um for those of you that aren't aware um Constantine gets this dream and kind of long story short there he sees he sees the Christian sign of the cross um, on the shields of his soldiers and they go into this battle and they win mm-hmm. and so he comes out and, th- and this is a real normal thing um this is this is normal man go back into the Torah. Uh, in any of the battles going on, like yep. you, you brought your religious icons, you brought your gods, yep. and it really, it was less about my empire versus yours. It was really about my god versus your god. Like, whose right. was the mightier god? Right.
1: Yep. And um, even even thinking about the um the da- the famous David and Goliath yeah. thing is that hey whoever wins this you serve the other person's god. That's right. That's, yeah, how that's it perfect. Works. Perfect
2: example. Perfect. Yeah. So so you you have Constantine who gets this dream, and so it's not really out of left field in terms of the idea of religious icons, you know, leading the way into battle, which is a Pause for an I, I, yeah. ironic scratch of the head. Yeah, but,
1: unless it, unless it's Aries, right? That, that, like if you have Aphrodite <laughs> sure, leading sure. the charge, right? Like, that's right, funny, or
2: like like the whole Tiamat and Marduk stuff in the back. Yeah. But anyway, okay. So so, but you he has this dream, and the the the, the nation or this empire that that had labeled the Christians, um, you know, all these other labels, including like you know, it's illegal to be Christian. Um, all of a sudden. Kind of overnight, from what it seems, we become—by we, I mean the Romans—become um, a Christian nation. And so, um, the, in my mind, the way I try to get my, my mind around that is like, as a, I'm I'm perplexed as a Christian mm. if I'm living then. And, and there's part of me that, like, I know Saint Augustine, like uh, he he sees this as like a total gift from God, and right. it very well may be. Yeah. I, I'm not. <laughs> I yeah. wasn't there. Yeah,
1: and, and and just for the but, sake of the, uh, I want to get to the but. But yeah, yeah go yeah. for it. But for the sake of the the critics out there, it wasn't a. It didn't turn Rome into a Christian empire, no. but it like it legalized Christianity, and the emperor was Christian. Um, and so, what it did is it created a a motive um, yeah. for him to unite. Christians in a more governmental type of Yeah, way. and
2: it brought them it brought them in, it gave them something bigger to rally around. Mm-hmm. But this kind of perplex, this butt that I that I'm saying. And so yeah. I I could only imagine the kind of persecution that some of them were facing and, and so to cry out to God and ask how long like they've been crying out since since Exodus. Right. Um, it probably was amazing yeah. uh, for some of that to happen and to feel legitimized. And so I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna sugarcoat that part or, yeah. or anything. But on the flip but now, now there's this conundrum now there's this like, but wait now i I can i I can pledge allegiance to Rome or i I can serve in its military because now mm-hmm. like god's endorsing this, and so i just' it's, yeah it's, you, I, I I just find myself scratching my head right you have <laughs> you have the
1: same behaviors that are now okay because the cross is on the shield yeah, and
2: yeah. one of the, one of the things that Shane Claiborne points out in um his I think phenomenal book, but it will um it 'll piss every single reader off uh, it, it pissed me off um, but he one of the things he brings up in there uh, is that shortly after this we get we get um these mobs of Christians going through Rome burning down um, like buildings temples to other to other mm. gods and to other religions and so this religion that was um, at least by some known to be this really peaceful and kind of alternative way yeah. of living. Now it was state sanctioned, and now is right. now is, is dominant. Now has the power um, to do maybe what they've been wanting to do for a long time. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. And, and I I, <laughs> I think that it,
1: it's ironic, um, but expected right it's ironic that that this religion that popped up because god decided to make himself flesh and blood yeah. um and not protect himself and get killed on behalf of guilty sinners yeah. um that that was the genesis of this new faith of is self sacrifice for people who don't even deserve yeah. it right yeah. the the ultimate injustice is is jesus receiving what he received um so it's ironic because they're doing this, but at the same time, it it kind of is understandable because I think totally. that there's like totally who uh, who doesn't like vengeance. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, totally. E-
2: even which is probably why, man, um, especially especially kind of the second half of the New Testament right. seems to kind of have some of those reminders to the Christians like vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Like this is right. That's not for you? <laughs> it's right. not for you, right? Um, okay, so so we have we have Rome. Um, the the book back to the hidden world's views book it also t- kind of does a case study and looks at 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 Germany hmm. and Nazi Germany and how um, in fact actually let me let me pull that up while we're talking um, it, it they talked about how the church in Nazi Germany kind of because of the rhetoric because of the way that things were being talked about they were able to kind of get behind this thing um, let me pull this up here I'm so sorry that's okay. Um, So it's important to recall, this is straight from the book, that the N in the Nazi party stood for nationalists, and at the heart of German nationalism was belief in the superiority of the Aryan race. Mm. It portrayed the German Volk as the highest expression of humanity, and thus the destined rulers of all other races, Mm. on the basis of their preeminence in their history, intellectual accomplishments, and moral nature. Now, this is where the church got sucked in. This was all linked to Christianity by proclaiming Jesus to be the true Aryan and the founder of a positive Christianity, in quotes, hmm. that had been lost when the Jewish Old Testament was attached to the Bible. Thus, the germination was the conduit through which the purified Christianity be, would be reintroduced to the world. Yep. Through Germany, the world would receive the true religion. Yeah, There have been... People like extremists talking about our country today and they um, – it's really dramatic to drop things like Hitler and Nazi mm-hmm. and um, we're, we're not there. That's the blessing. Right. Yeah. I think that that's um, – I think that there are enough warnings and there are enough people talking that, that I don't foresee that happening for us. Um I just think it's interesting, right? I just think it's interesting that the things that we can do, the things that we can compromise as Christians, when we start believing that this is something endorsed and we can find it in Scripture. And, man, if if there's been a constant that we've maybe talked about in a lot of our podcasts is like we can really kind of make Scripture say whatever we want it to without good study and exegesis. And that's scary for me. You know, And we we need to worry
1: whenever we start thinking that any sort of nation – is God's instrument that he's going to use to bring about his kingdom. Perfect. Perfect. Um, Because I think, um, now, don't get me wrong. In the Old Testament, we do have God using nations to do what he wants.
2: Yeah. And I want to even say something there too. Like he uses, like the interesting thing is here we're talking about like nations, like their Genesis and origin story is wrapped up with God. Like that's the story of Israel. Yeah, That is the story of Israel. But we also see Israel, like, they decide to go into battle and take their religious icon, right? right? They take the the Ark of the Covenant. Which allegedly holds God himself. Right. And so they're like, cool, we're going to go do our own thing. We'll take him into battle, and they lose it, right? And so again, like, when they're doing it on their own, they're trying to get God to endorse their stuff. Right. Right? It doesn't work. Sorry to interrupt you on that one, No, no, that's good. But it's interesting, because that that is the origin story of the Israelites. Right, and God isn't... He's not
1: solely committed to using foreign... Um, or he's not solely committed to using Israel, but he's okay with using foreign nations as well. He he even says that, um, I am going to smite you with Babylon. Yeah. Right. And Babylon is his instrument, but it's not his instrument to set up the kingdom of God. It's an instrument of, of judgment. Yeah. Right. Or of, of, not the word punishment, but like of purgation. Yeah. Right.
2: When I'm doing that with my students, we just, we just went through King Solomon and, and some of that stuff and, and, and then getting all the way up to, to Babylon. Um, I kind of feel like God's like, man, you guys, like, if you want to play Empire, like, Empire is going to happen. Right. And I'm going to let this other Empire come and smash you because that's the way you guys want to play. Yep. You know what I'm saying? There it is. And that, as I don't see him as this puppet master that's like, you know, like playing risk with these little mm. creatures and like, like moving. But like, he's like, no, if y'all want to play that way, there's ramifications. Yeah. Right. And you're not going to go ahead and get it in trouble and then call on me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. <laughs> So when you hear the term, God bless America, what kind of thoughts or emotions uh, come up for you?
1: Um, probably, I kind of think of people that are very like patriotic and have the American flag everywhere and like singing really loudly on the 4th of July, stuff like that. I think
0: that's what I think of. Um, I think that it evokes a sense of unity. Um, something that I think is lacking in our community right now and unfortunate in our country. Um, I think that it's it's a little bit of wishful thinking, this idea of God blessing this country that is uh, divided and dividing itself and, and stepping away from from God. So I think it's a little bit of hypocritical and so right now I don't I'm not at a point and I don't think that a lot of people are at a point where we are really saying God bless America. It's more of a hopeful God bless America. Hopes that he'll do that.
1: Um, for me, it makes me think of like how we want our country to be prosperous, but we want to have it ordained by God in the sense that it should be God's directing our hands so that we are prosperous.
2: And when you hear the term um, "God bless our troops," what kind of what kind of feeling do you get when you hear that phrase?
1: I think it's more of a like sentimental one rather
2: than all in your face about the country I think it's more like oh protection for the troops kind of thing
0: um at least personally I take
1: it more as of like protect our troops just keep them safe keep them from being harmed keep them from doing the wrong thing and just more more of keep them safe than let us win this war because not all of our wars are just
2: and then lastly um what do you think of pledging allegiance to the American flag during a church service that's interesting
1: um i don't know about the setting for
2: that i i feel like maybe that's not the appropriate setting for that
0: Uh, i think that there is a separation of church and state and in that sense um we are uh we're following a much higher order in church than we are to an allegiance to a, a country and in that sense um you know that's a preference that uh Church officials, pastors, ministers uh, should make, but ultimately, I think that there is a separation. There needs to be a separation.
1: I have never heard of that before. Um, I think it's a little bit different when it's a church service than when it's like a school thing, because in in that context, it seems like you're placing it above God. So that makes me a little uncomfortable. Now, with, with the idea of, of empire, though, we have, um, there are some scriptures, right? Yeah. Um, and the, these get pulled out quite a bit. Um, and I, I think it's probably probably important that we look at them. Um, in In Romans chapter 13, it says <laughs> to submit to the governing authorities, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that is true this is the word of god we yep. cannot just be like um no we yep. need to resist them but we do like reading in context yes exactly <laughs> um but even even beyond like i guess beyond context and taking a, a narrowed focus of just the word there there's actually a difference between submission and obedience mm. um because submission is actually the, it's the greek word hupotasso um which literally means under order or under arrangement and so the mm-hmm. implication there is that there's an order or arrangement um that is going on and and we're to where to i guess submit ourselves to that way that things operate and yeah, so right if, if you are going to go to prison for praying or you're going to get the death death sentence for praying to a god other than the god of babylon which happens with daniel right mm-hmm. then you submit and or you say and exactly yeah. yeah then you submit and say okay you can throw me into the furnace. So be it. Kill me. You can throw me into the lion's den, but it doesn't mean that they obeyed. Yeah. Right? So they submitted to the order. They submitted to the arrangement of that society, but they still obeyed their true God.
2: I love it. Right? I love it. Thank you. That's that's really good. And so there's the submission piece, which is just submitting to the order. There's another part, though. Yeah. Are, go- are you going to touch the ordained part? Because that's the part that mm-hmm. I think freaks out. Um, it freaked out me. Hmm. Freaked me out. Freaked me out. Freaked, <laughs> it freaked out it freaked me. Out me. Uh, uh, that freaked me out for a little bit, yeah. right? But but um, when it says that 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 they are these leaders, like the reason we're supposed to submit is because these leaders have been ordained by God. Mm. Can you unpack that for us at all? Or I don't know. Okay. What do you have on that? Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. Um, what 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 if what if when we're looking at that um, because. It, he, he, well, let me let me start with baby. What it's not, okay, good. you know, um, because I'll have I'll have people, students, whatever, and even even myself. When I I, I need to try to have rebuttals against myself, but mm. um, that means, and I, I guess well, it's a foreknowledge. I guess it hey, well, it might get to a foreknowledge question, but um, if you are saying that all leaders. Um, are ordained, Mm. and you mean that in some way that they are endorsed. And I think that that's how some of us hear that. Uh, So, Because then I'm like, okay, so I just have anybody. Just take any any dictator throughout the the history of of humanity. Um, Hitler's too easy. We've already touched him. So let's say Stalin or Pol Pot or Duvalier or any of these just... Man, evil men, right? right? So, so we're saying that God ordained these people. So, right. for those of us out there that are using that verse potentially out of context as a way to say that God or, or um, uh, what was the word I used earlier? Ordained? No, no, before ordained. Endorsed. Um, endorses. If you're if you're hearing ordained to be like endorse, um, you you probably want to go back and check the text, right? Um, and the entire book of the Bible, or in all 66 books of the Bible. Right. Like, look at the whole story.
1: And, and not just context there, but then global context as where, and broaden your perspective. And that means that deposing Saddam Hussein means dep- deposing um, God's ordained God's man. leader. Yeah. yeah. And um, throwing insults at the, the president of North Korea. Is he a president or something else? I don't know. I think he's
2: supreme ruler. Oh. Well, that guy. Honestly. I think that's his title. Well, yeah. But,
1: but you know why he's supreme ruler? He's ordained by
2: God that's right
0: yeah
2: yeah, so endorsed by God God's right hand man prob- probably probably not, not. Yeah. um I and I you know let's let's go do a little bit more study on this yeah, but I, I I understand ordained there to be like God allows it yeah um, that these things like there is no power that anybody has on earth uh, um, that would, did not first somehow come from God yeah. or allowed by God yeah um so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so
1: the ordained issue. Well, and again, though, that, that you're saying that the authority structure is ordained. So for some reason, God is saying that this is the structure under yeah. which you are to operate, even yeah. though it's going to oppress you, even if it might kill you or throw you in a lion's den, yeah. that this is, this is the structure and you submit to it. You, you come under that arrangement or order, yeah. whereas obey is hypokuo, which is mm. under what is heard. Mm. Um, so there is a command and you submit to that command. Ah, okay. Right? So uh, in, as opposed to just submitting to the order, you submit to a command when you obey. Mm. And so he does not say, obey the authority structure. Even even Peter seems to take it even a, a level higher and say, honor the emperor. Yeah. Right? The man who is killing right. your friends right. and family, you honor him. Yeah. Um. But he doesn't say, and so therefore burn incense to him and do whatever right, he says. Yeah,
2: yeah yeah, that doesn't mean compromise and do whatever you want and I, right. I you brought up Daniel earlier, I think that's one of the greatest ones we see with Nebuchadnezzar is yeah. is he didn't compromise, yep, um I mean even all the way down to like his meals right yeah. like like what he would eat <laughs> yeah. um, he still he still maintained so he
1: was very disobedient but submissive
2: yeah two two of the things there, Chris um one um in in Romans twelve just before Paul talks about submitting to the authorities um he talks about like 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 do your best at all times to be at peace with all people, yeah, live peaceably with everybody. Yeah, there's something really wise about that. Yeah. And and if we are called to be ambassadors for Christ and to, and to do things for the kingdom, um, if I'm using my energy to be at peace with people, that probably also gives me opportunities to right. to to sow seeds for this kingdom. Yep. Um, but the other thing it got me thinking of when you when you you got to Peter uh, when he he goes that does go that far to say honor the emperor, um, all the way back in in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says to love your enemy um the the thing that he the the reason he gives us why we should love our enemy is 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 the rain the rain yeah, yeah. that that god God doesn't hold back the sun or the rain on the good and the evil, so so we're not allowed to either mm-hmm. um and so I just there is this constant like that yeah. we are going to ref, we're going to continue to reflect God and his nature um in the midst of evil
1: yeah absolutely right? <laughs> and and I think that it's important here because I think we've done a good job of taking a step back and saying. Hey, it doesn't necessarily mean obey. Sometimes the state can be in direct contr- contradiction to the kingdom, um, and, and sort of like pushing on that side. But then I also want to say we should push on the other side as well. With yes, we do live at peace with people. Yeah. Um, I even think of Jeremiah twenty nine. Um, I think it's APU's theme verse twenty nine eleven. It's
2: at least on all the uh, bumper. what <laughs> are yes. those the plates bumper um, things?
1: But if you if you. Take a left hand turn in the te- turn in the text, and let's start at the beginning of the chapter. Um, you have him saying to to settle down and build houses, right, and to to live in Babylon, yep. right, and and establish your life and live peaceably there. Because if the city prospers, you're going to prosper. So pray for the prospering of the city. Mm. Um, and so we have it just because we don't need to obey doesn 't mean that we shouldn 't love our neighbors, love the context that we 're in um, and, and love i i guess to an extent the country that we are a part of and, to- totally and, and i
2: mean that 's Jesus he summarizes the entire law at that right yeah. like love God, love your neighbor yep. who 's my neighbor everybody everyone yeah, and I think <laughs> yeah,
1: and I think that even I almost feel like I need to go on record and say that. Right right after I came out of college, I was so angsty. Mm, you know what I mean? Like, yes, um, we were. <laughs> so angsty because I, I think that I was really patriotic as a young person. Yeah. Um, and I, like, I'll say, no, I was nationalistic as a young person. Okay. I remember uh, I was a freshman when nine eleven occurred. Mm. And my impulse in my gut was like, I need to sign up for the military. And mm. I was like talking to people about like, how do I get in a plane and shoot people? Mm. Um, because I was like, yeah, because I, I wanted to defend to yeah.
2: your first love. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry. But no, and, and,
1: and then I started studying scripture, which um, then that sort messes of, you up, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I'm, I'm a really—I have this tendency to be kind of a pendulum swinger. Okay. Um, and so instead of coming, allowing that to correct me to health, um, right. uh, in C.S. Lewis's screw Tape Letters, it talks about demons being content with swinging us to the other side because there's sin over there as well. Wow. And um, I remember there was a lot of times where I was, like, just disrespectful— um, to the country, and especially mm. to my dad. So, mm. dad, if you are listening, sorry, sorry, um, pops. Yep, I apologize. Mm. Um, but that there was there were times because he was in the military, and so naturally, like there is love of nation there, right. and I, I felt yeah. like I needed to condemn love of nation. Mm. Um, but now I realize, no, you can love nation totally. in a way that is far subordinate to
2: God. Yeah, right? and and when we say, I, I think, and you know, I kind of I want to head toward this one direction as we as we start closing up yeah. and. Um, when we say love for nation," it's probably more and there's been some interesting rhetoric uh going around right now mm-hmm. um, um it's probably more when we talk about loving our nation more of an idea than it is maybe one particular group or one particular boundary yeah. um, but this this social construct <laughs> <laughs> of a country um it, it that's a cool thing to love you know this yeah. this social experiment that we're a part of yeah. um hey, did you know that I Joined the air force out of high school. Um, I, I
1: recently <laughs> we've known each other what over a decade. Did you really not know that before? Like I you really go, just recently... I just found that out a few months ago. Yeah. Do you
2: remember how quickly they kicked me off? <laughs> was it I, weeks? I, months? It was. It was basic training. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm there with you. I, I tried, yeah. you know, and I I, I, I I know those feelings. I know yeah. that angst and. Um, we've talked about what patriotism is, love for country, and and we've kind of talked some about what nationalism is. And um, we've we've identified it some some in Rome and a little bit in in, in Germany and said some other things. But um, one of the things I love that this book does, and it does it for every chapter, but it will highlight kind of the bad things of of that hidden worldview, in this case nationalism, but Mm. it will also talk about some of the good things where where we have common ground. Um, But one of the things that they did here, and I just thought it would be fun to end, Hmm. Um, it, um, remember Jeff Foxworthy? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if he's still around or not, but he got real famous for like the, like you You might might be, be, yeah, yeah. there it is. You might be a redneck if. So man, I love these authors. Uh, they, they get a little ornery and say, you might be a nationalist if. All right, here we go. So did you, I know you read some of this. Have you read this part yet? No. Awesome. Cool. So I want to read these four things to you and I don't need to go all through all of it, but, um, to our listeners, Um, students, leaders, um these are these are things to maybe put ourselves in check. And I would encourage you. This has really helped me because I I've I've kind of got sucked into some of this Uh, this weird narrative going on in our country as of late. And um that's that's not where I'm called to to be. I'm I'm called to be in this kingdom. And and so um as tongue in cheek as this kind of may be, like you may be a nationalist if and with these four things, um I pray that you would use this as a tool um, mm-hmm. to not only check um, your own heart and mind but also when you get into conversations with people that maybe this would be a way for you to dissect the conversation in such a way that we can we can reorient ourselves back to the yeah. to the kingdom so the first one this is ironic too with, with stuff this is written some years back, but with stuff that's going Let's on today this is interesting if you believe that God's plan for history would be severely hampered if the United States did not exist in 100 years, 25 years, or even next year, you may be a nationalist. Mm. That Man, that quote, <laughs>
1: I, I, think it's a, I think it's a Reagan quote where he says uh, Amer- America is um, the light of the world. The city it? upon a hill. City upon a hill. Um, it's either him or um, H.W. Bush, um, President H.W. Bush, who says that um, that we are the last greatest hope. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. So there actually is a, um, uh, a gentleman by the name of, uh, Winthrop who wrote, uh, this vision of America as a city upon a hill in 1630. Wow. And here, um, it says it's a, had a profound effect on our national self-understanding. Here's part of the address, which is basically yeah. what you're saying. And then presidents afterwards have have continued to use this. But listen to how he ties the origin of this country um, back to basically kind of like... We are God's people. Manifestos. Yeah. For we must consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us, so that if we shall deal falsely with our God in this work we have undertaken, and so cause him to withdraw his present help from us, we shall be made a story and a byword through the world. We shall open the mouths of enemies to speak evil... To speak evil of the ways of God and all professors, for God's sake, we shall shame the faces of many of God's worthy servants and cause their prayers to be turned into curses upon us until we are consumed out of the good land where we are going. Hmm. Hey. All right, um, the, just my, <laughs> my, my, uh, my one thing there, um, and and man, this this is a good check for a lot of us, especially with when it comes to our uh, our eschatology. Hmm. Um, there is a lot of end times kind of theology that seems to be wrapped up in in part of America, mm. um, and I mean, you know those. You memorize those charts. You've you've confessed that before, but yeah, I, I, this is maybe in, this is an ignorant statement. But I, I think the premillennialist kind of view might is that outdated now because of some stuff going yeah. like. Yeah, or is, yeah. that, is that kind of debated?
1: Yeah, I, as but, far as I know, well, when, when <laughs> I was... You see virgin, where I'm going with this. Yeah, <laughs> back in the day, I would always read that the rock that fell from the heavens and devoured a third of the land would devour North and South America, hmm. because Israel, like the nation state of Israel was really important Yeah. Um, in the eschatology that I studied, studied growing up. And yeah. so I just assumed, we, well, we would have been raptured out already, right. and, then, <laughs> and then the North and South American contents would have
2: been swallowed up by a rock from heaven. Right. I'm gonna guess and by guess I mean I've 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 done some cool readings. Um seems like every generation since revelation has been given to humans hmm. has interpreted it through the lens of their mm-hmm. particular boundaries yep. or or borders yep. or
1: walls yeah. or with Ezekiel Gog and Magog are always ascribed to different countries. Russia
2: and, Yeah. Um, and so so think about this for a second. If, if you really think that, that the history, uh, like what God is doing, this idea of maybe like salvation history, like restorative history, these ideas of like God is putting things back together, um, if you see our country here, the United States of America, as, as a key component to that, um, you really do need to do some, some, some soul searching. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that he can't. Please hear that. Right. Sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. But if you automatically assume it, you might be a national- nationalist. Ready for the second one? Go for it. If you find it unthinkable that a citizen would not be able to pledge allegiance to the flag or sing the national anthem mm. for religious reason, reasons, you may be a nationalist. Ooh. <sighs> it's, uh. At least last week we talked about uh, <laughs> how to talk about topics in our right. society. Yeah,
1: seriously.
2: Um, or if they take an E. When,
1: when, I like you. Too soon.
2: <laughs> no, not soon enough. Hey, here's, here's the thing. And, and again, man, I encourage you to go read this book, um, Hidden Worldviews, <laughs> by Dr. Stephen Wilkins. Um, he goes into it a little bit and just, and just kind of says, hey, we have a lot of traditions in our, in our Christian culture that um, maybe have been watered down and things that we don't do as much anymore. But, yep. but when we get offended if someone doesn't pledge allegiance or they don't sing, um, and he even goes on to saying um, that they're really thankful um, that there are a lot of Christians out there, and I, I'm actually—I'll I'll confess that I'm one included—who has a pretty strong conviction that it's—it's it's hard for me to place my right hand over my heart and pledge allegiance mm. to to a flag or to a nation before a king and a kingdom. Yeah. And and I don't—I just said I, I I try to join the Air Force. I, I don't say that I'm not patriotic. Right. I don't say that I don't love this country. Uh, that doesn't not mean I don't just support my troops. In right. fact, I do support my troops by praying for peace because yeah. I want them to live. I have family members. My brother in law is in the Navy. Um, I support them and I yeah. want them. But um, I love in this book that he says, "Yeah, you know what? Like if you're offended by those things, that it's kind of showing you what your heart's holding on to."
1: Yep. Yeah, and I think <laughs> I, I think that's especially poignant for you because. Um, I've seen you in like worship services and you put your right hand over your heart. Yes, when, I do. When you when raise your hand to God. That's yeah. it. When we're, um, you see I, that crap? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I peek. when I'm I I'm pledging plead.
2: allegiance to the kingdom, yeah. man. Yeah. 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 That's good.
1: Um, I, I think another thing that's important to note <laughs> as well is that um, I, I've been wondering where to put this in, but I feel like this is where, where to say it is Do that it. I think the, the best way that we can love our country um, is by holding it accountable. Yep. Um, Yeah. And I think if I That's a really healthy way to say that. Yeah, the student like in our classrooms, the students that I like that I have trouble caring for, those are the ones that I don't tell them, Hey, you should really be working on your paper right now instead Mm. of playing games because then I'm like, Well just play games then, fine, get enough. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, (laughs) But they have no clue what you mean. (laughs) But the the ones that I care about, I'm like, Hey, you're gonna hate yourself in twenty four hours. Like, please stop. Like this Mm. is this is gonna hurt you. And I think that even with the with the Pledge of Allegiance, there's, uh, well, one, it was written by a Christian socialist, which I think is ironic, granted the people who are, like, super crazy about the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, but then, uh, furthermore, it, it was written in the late 1800s. Um and Do you know so, there's a part added,
2: by the way? Really? The One Nation Under God. Oh, there it is. That's good. Yeah. yeah
1: and if you look at some of the, I mean, I don't know if you've seen these. They, they're kind of ornery photos, and if it can be misinterpreted, but um, before... Um, students, people didn't put their hand over their heart, but they did the what's called the Roman salute, which you mm. may have seen um, national socialist German soldiers doing under the wow. Nazis. So wow. you, there's actually pictures of black and white pictures of children in schoolrooms doing wow. the like Hitleresque salute to the American flag. How would I search that on Google? Just Google like yeah, Roman salute, American flag. It's pretty. Wow. Fun. Okay. Um, but yeah, I I think that even if we're just holding America accountable to the values that it was like some of the values that it was founded on if liberty is one of them then man like liberty is the thing that allows a person to, to take a knee or to take to, a knee or to, to just... not stand or to not put their hand over their heart and i i love our country for the fact that a person can do that
2: you know what i mean i'm gonna say something that um i hope just everybody can hear my heart on this when we automatically say that people who are doing that, taking a knee, um, that they are disrespecting the troops, I think that we have turned that flag into something maybe different than. Mm. Um, because mm. when I when I do pledge allegiance, I'm not necessarily pledging allegiance to the troops. Yeah, um, and I I say that very just somber and heavy hearted because I, there's no in no way am I am I disrespecting anybody. Um, intentionally disrespecting anybody yeah. who, who gave up their life for, for the ideals. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of those ideals was liberty, you're right. Yeah. And that's, um, that's, that's, that's scary. Yeah. And, it, and it's, that becomes kind of religious nationalism, the same way we would do our other religious activity right. and traditions yeah, on the, Sundays. The,
1: sa- the same way that the cross can be something that's painted on a shield that allows people to kill others mm. instead of sacrificing themselves.
2: Bro, we, we just took a somber turn, bro. Man. But that's... Yeah. Um, well, let's go to three. All right. You <laughs> might be so, a nationalist. We, yeah. Um, <laughs> I like this one. If You might be a nationalist. If you think our Declaration of Independence embodies eternal principles or that the Constitution should never be changed, you might be a nationalist, mm-hmm. especially knowing the Constitution has been amended several times. Yeah. Like, um, But I found something really interesting here. Um it, it, this is a quote from the book again. A colleague of ours reported that half of his students in a class, overwhelmingly Christian, put the inspiration of the Declaration of Independence on par with that of Scripture. There it um, is. Yeah. And so when that, when that document... And I... Actually, this year I've been saying a lot with my students. I think the Declaration of Independence is a beautiful document. Yeah. Um, I really, really do. I do... Do not think that it was inspired by God right. necessarily in, 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 in the way that scripture was. Right. In the way right. that scripture was. Right. Absolutely. In the way that scripture there was. Could, there
1: could have been Christians involved in the process who carried the spirit
2: of God. Could have been. Yeah. Because there's they're of, another... There's, yeah. There's like the deists and all that there Yeah. With a yeah. whole bunch of deists. Yeah. Have you seen the Jeffersonian Bible, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> it like to cut out all the... Anyways, go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah. Fun. He cut out all the miracles. Miracles, yeah.
1: Our our Christian nation. It's like the Jeffersonian Bible is the Dawkinsian Bible.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um Have you ever run into that, by the way, that last one? Have you ever found found anybody that like the authority of 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 the doc the founding documents? I don't I, we don't probably see that as much with
1: our I, students. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think we see it as much, but I do think that especially because when I was growing up, I feel like the King James and the New King James were around a little bit more. And so since they all kind of like smacked of Elizabethan English, mm. um, there, there was like a holy tone
2: to it. You okay. Know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Know. Here's the last one. You, this is timely. You might be a nationalist if... You believe that our nation would finally be okay if we would just get back to, quote unquote, how it was... At some earlier stage mm. of our history, you might be a nationalist. Mm. Yep, dude. Some people would only be three-fifths people. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that it talked about there was that that you really can't put your finger when you talk about, uh, and I'm when you talk about going back or making something uh, wonderful again or great again.
1: Yeah, and I you're trying to avoid that. Sorry, I'm a jerk. Well, because I
2: well, no, I I don't. I, I, hey, every nobody's off off limits, right? I, I I don't. I'm loyal to a king, so I, I can I can say it, I guess. So, but when you talk about that. What it does is it evokes uh, an idea in everybody's mind, and it's not necessarily a unified idea. It's this gray kind of cloudy, like, well, what do you mean? And so for some people, especially in the Christian culture, for some people that means like, well, back when we can have prayer in school and they weren't teaching Mm -hmm. evolution and abortion or like gay marriages, like we just want to go back to this wholesome way
1: when kids were getting lobotomies for misbehaving. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but but when <laughs> I
1: like <laughs> you, Sorry, too No, far. but that's
2: but like when we we're, we're talking about that is we're we're going back to like let's get back to our roots when we were like God's instrument mm. for justice on this planet, like where we were this shining beacon again. Yep. Um and so it's it's not really it's not really tapping into an actual definitive what it used to be. It's just <sighs> yeah. yeah. Well, and <laughs> Sorry. I, I think I think <laughs> this one makes me sad. Right
1: and I what I think is ironic is if you want to be God's beacon then why are you trying to use the tools that you are using? Mm. Um you know what I mean? Like if if you want to be God's beacon then then the way we do that is we look at the sermon on the mount. I was just going to say
2: look in the text. Yeah and <laughs> right?
1: and then live like that, right? Then yeah. Then we we become a radical place where enemies are loved, where where marriages stay together because they're not committing adultery in their heart, mm. um, where people don't hate each other anymore because they know that that's killing in their hearts. Where we don't have to swear um, swear under oath because we're just truthful people. Mm. Like like this is Matthew. Like if you did if we just did Matthew five, like I'm even saying like maybe Chris, you're, you're just
2: you're just idealistic. I
1: know, right? But if we just did Matthew five, like that's how we get quote unquote back to being, but, and I'm not even sure that there's a back, but if there was a back, that's how we get there.
2: Yeah. The back is, um, God steps into humanity and says, Hey guys, I want you all to look at this human here. This, this Jesus guy, like this is my intention for humanity. Um, I don't. Know, I don't know if this is a, a false statement, but it seems like there's probably more examples of what it looks like when we do it the opposite way in the text, yep. which is probably intentional, so that we can see all the errors that mm-hmm. we can potentially like have to deal with. And Jesus is like, no, this is. This, I want you to live like this. Paul makes that appeal and calls him like like the new Adam. Like this is God's intention, right? This is the new Adam. Yep. This is what it means to be human. Um, I love. Uh, maybe we'll, I'll end here. This is my last my last there statement. You go. Um, I love the Sermon on the Mount. It's incredible. I've led, read many books. There is a book by John Stott. It originally was called Christian Counterculture. I think mm-hmm. it's just called Sermon on the Mount now. Um, but he, his like kind of opening line in there is like, hey, a lot of books are out there about what Jesus might have meant or, or this and that in the Sermon on the Mount. He's like, I'm going to write a book that says maybe he just means what he says. Yep. What would it look like? Um, and I think, um, at least for us in, in a modern context, in the last few decades, or What's what is the word for more than few? You have a couple, and then few, and then Algunos. Nice. I like you. Um, but we have this MLK guy who who took a few of those principles and put them into practice and some pretty rad stuff got started. Right. Right. And there's still some more change that needs to happen. But but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna align with the early Christians. I'm gonna align with the early church. I'm gonna align with with John Stott and and, and M L K and some of these other guys that say, you know what? Maybe Jesus meant what he said. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to do my best. I suck at it. Yeah. Uh, I'll talk about it on a podcast. Right. But I'm going to do my best to love my neighbor, to love my enemy, to, to be at respect, uh, You know, to have respect for people, to, to be at peace at all times with people for the sake of this kingdom that is eternal, not right. this temporary thing that we're living in. And then
1: maybe <laughs> if we do all that stuff, we can actually properly love our country.
2: Yeah, I like that. That'd be rad
1: you have just listened to the conclusion of season one
2: do dun, 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 dun. podcasts
1: have seasons
2: I think our, so, yeah. Ours does. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. We are our own standard, bro. <laughs> Welcome
1: to the end of season one. Um, there will be a season two if we both don't die before then. Um, and so we hope to hear from you um, or to be on mics again in the new year. Yeah. Um, so so look for some new podcasts in early January. But in the meantime, um, if you would still like to stay in contact with us, naturally you still have the normal social media routes of Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Um, Confessions HSBT um, is our tag. And I think at Facebook, it's Facebook.com slash CHSBT. Yeah. Um, But also, in the meantime, we would love um, to touch base base with there bath. it is. Touch bathe. <laughs> <laughs> Touch base with some of you guys. Um, yeah,
2: so hit us up. Like, we we have been invited to come and speak to, to some groups. Um, Chris and I got to go out to Ventura. We got to record with those dudes. Um, we're going out to uh, Pepperdine soon to, to meet with another group. And, um, yeah, if you'd, if you'd like to... <laughs> That's funny to me now that I think about it like like you want to invite us over to have conversations with you but we actually <laughs> we hope you do yeah. um, so if you'd like to invite us to do that or come hang out or speak at, a, at an engagement or whatever we'd love that but we also want to hear from you in regards to season two yeah. um, with uh, some topics Yep. And... and maybe
1: even if you uh, are an interesting person that feels like you have something to speak into the Christian education world or the student ministry world um, we would love to collaborate with you and do some stuff together yeah
2: That'd be huge too, because then it really isn't just um, Chris and Wayne uh, always talking. Like, we actually feel like there's other people having the conversation with us. And not only that, um, you guys, there's a lot of cool things out there that you guys know that we don't, right? um, And experiences that you have that we don't. And so, um, this this is an open invitation. I mean, we'll we'll properly vet you. Yes, but but this is an open invitation to be properly vetted. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um, uh, we we hope to uh, talk to some of you guys soon, um, and if we don't. You'll hear us in the new year. Can I ask you a
2: question really yeah. quick, Chris, before we leave. Um, before we start recording again, what's one book that you hope to, like one book title you hope to finish between now and then? Um, I hope to finish reading Emotionally Healthy
1: Spirituality. Awesome. Um, and there's one called um, I Don't Want to Talk About It, which is about male
2: depression. Oh. Is this why we're taking a break? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I, um, I'm hoping to finish uh, uh, Falling Upward. Uh, by Richard Rohr. That's like my book three. You stole it. Yeah. And and actually, another one of his uh, is about um, breathing underwater. Mm. Uh, It's about uh, addiction and and coming out of that world. Mm. Also, I were taking a break.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's
2: so jacked up. Um, So, yeah, we'll definitely have some stuff to talk about when we get back. Hey, uh, we dare you to look up those titles and uh, read it along with us.
1: Oh, yeah. And you can shoot <laughs> us an, a good old-fashioned email um, either through our website or confessionshsbt at gmail.com.
2: Right on. Shalom Peace. to you. Peace out.
0: End of season one.